What's going on, everyone? This is Brian Turner here with another episode of the No Stress Midwest podcast. Uh, we're in season five right now, uh, doing just coaches edition. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Mr. Jordan Farrell of the Oakland Roots. Uh, to me, one of the, the coolest um, clubs that's now, you know, entering the USL championship in the recent years. Um, the dude's like in his 30s. He's the TD. He's got USL championship uh, head coaching experience. He's been overseas kind of doing everything that I want to do as a coach. And we've got him on as a, as a podcast episode or a podcast guest. So Jordan, how's it going, man? Going all right, Brian. How's everything? It's good. Um, you know, you're in California, so I just feel like things are always just a little better out there. Maybe that's just someone in the Midwest looking out, you know, looking in. But what's uh, what's Oakland like? What's the weather like today? Oh, man, it's marvelous. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be 70, 75 like it is most days. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly lucky out here, but there's, there's you know, benefits and drawbacks. I think my, my, uh, my cost of living might be double what yours is there. So, More than likely, <laughs> More than likely you know? yes. Uh, yeah, no. Cool. So, um, kind of, I want to get started, get, let the guests know how we were introduced. I can't even say how we've met because, um, we haven't met yet. Um, but there was a a buddy of ours, Josh, uh, Duffy who's with sporting and I don't quite know how you two got connected, but I reached out to Duffy and was just kind of telling him, what my goals were with coaching at the next level. And he was like, Hey, there's this cat, this guy, Jordan, I know, uh, maybe worth a, a phone call. And, um, yeah. So how did you and Duffy meet? Yeah, man. Well, Josh, uh, I mean, he, he spent some time out here in Northern California. I know he's working in, in, in college with St. Mary's and doing some other scouting and stuff like that. And, um, really good, really good dude. Um, and, uh, you know, so if he, if he reaches out and says, Hey, I got this guy I would, you know, um, think it would be helpful to him, uh, to, to at least shed some, some light on your career and path he traveled and stuff like that. Um, obviously it's a, it's a good look if he's introducing me to somebody. So, um, he's a great guy. And I think connections like this are what the, the real soccer world's built off of. And it's a very small world and, um, you know, we're all lucky enough to work on it, work in it. Uh, on our different projects, but, uh, but it's, it's always good to meet good people. So it's been, I guess, a couple, couple long conversations that we've had, uh, about the game, about life, about a lot of different things. So, uh, I'm, I'm really honored to, to be on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's funny. Our first conversation, I think was like two hours, two plus hours. And I just remember, I was like, Whoa, uh, I was like, <laughs> I, I was not expecting that, but then it's kind of like, Every conversation after, I mean, has been fairly, fairly decent in length, but I think it's been very um, informative and helpful. Just, you know, even you uh, shedding some light and input on what to do before the USL, my USL two season Uh, and like, Hey, don't, don't ask or wait to be told what to do. Just say, Hey, these are all the things I can do. And unless you say, don't do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and that's kind of how I went into it with the, the season this year. That was really good advice. Um, but okay, enough, enough about that. Um, let's get to what people really care to care to know about, which is you. Um, so let's kind of talk about early on, like 
I'm guessing you were a player, right? You've played it, I know, uh, a decent level. Um, but what was the introduction into coaching, right? At what point of your career was it early on? Was it when you realized, hey, this playing thing ain't going to be it? You know, how did that come about? Yeah, so I, I played um, I played all the way through college and, and after college <clears> as well. But when I, when I was in college, um, I think it was somewhere between my sophomore and my junior year, I got a, a great opportunity to go up Seattle um, where, where the Sounders train at Starfire Complex there in Seattle um, and run camps like literally all day, um, every day, five days a week, some stuff on the weekends. And it was so much fun, I think, just being around uh, kids. And, and I was learning so much from the senior coaches about how to teach technique or how to teach individual tactical stuff. And it was, it was really fascinating. Um, I, I always knew, you know, I wanted to experience football in Europe. Um, and so after I graduated college, um, I took a, took a, bought a one-way ticket actually, um, and went over to Germany and I started, uh, you know, playing over there in what's the fifth division, um, like the state of Bavaria league. And it was a really good opportunity for me. I knew that I wanted to coach at that point in time. So I was approaching it less as like, I'm going to be a Bundesliga player, you know, um, especially cause you know, the first couple sessions I was out there, um, you know, I saw the U10s training and I was like, man, these kids technique and they're, right. they're, they're, they're like reading of the game was so advanced that, at, you know, nine, 10 years old. Um, but that also was really, I think the spark that, that for me was like, okay, the capacity of a young player, um, there in Germany, which at that time, you know, this is, this is 2010. Um, and so you're seeing 2009 into, into 2010, um, that I was there. And so obviously four years later, they win the world cup. Um, and you're seeing the, the fruits of 10 years of work. Uh, if you've ever read the book, Das Reboot or about kind of German football and how they went through this, <coughs> excuse me, this reckoning back in, uh, due to Euro 2000 and, and some of the other results that they'd had. So it was really cool for, for a little over a year and a half to, to just be engrossed in that type of a soccer culture um, you know, I had, I started coaching while I was there because the 17s at my, one of the clubs that I was at, which was cool. We played Bayern Munich 16s and 1860s, 16s, FC Nuremberg, those types of clubs. But to see it there in Germany and to know what, what existed or didn't exist here in the United States, at least in, in my neck of the woods here in Northern California was, uh, I think it was like one of those things, like, do you stay here and make yourself better as a coach? Or do you kind of go back and, and start to sure make yourself that. better as a coach, but also give it back to, to right. the people that you know, from, from where you came from. And that was big for me. So, um, you know, I probably could have bumped around some amateur divisions and done some coaching for a little bit longer, but I came back and I started my master's in sports pedagogy, um, uh, in Stockton and, and just got my, my teeth into, uh, coaching at the collegiate level at the junior college and, and, and then on to division one. Um, uh, but also at the youth level and started to work like at, at as many levels as I possibly could when I returned. So, um, it was a good experience, like transitioning from playing to coaching, but yeah. I kind of knew, knew that playing wasn't going to be a, a long career for me. And, and for coaching sure. was just, there's at every turn, there was so much more to learn and, and grow in. So it was, it was, it was always kind of my direction. Right. Right. And then, you know, fast forward that 10 year old was Joshua Kimmich and now he's right. He's, <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, there balling yeah. for the first team. Um, no, so what was like you mentioned, you know, you picked up all this knowledge over there in Germany and and I'm sure there was a wealth of it. 
Um, I'm guessing you taught yourself German uh, while you were over there. And, you know, how, it, one, how is your German now? Uh, mein Deutsch ist ganz schlecht, aber ich kann uh, nur, nur ein bisschen uh, die einfache Würde. Um, so my, my, oh, my German is pretty bad. My German is pretty bad now, but I can do the easy stuff. There we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was better than mine. Um, yeah. Um, no, so it was <clears throat> so when I got there, um, I got, uh, you know, a couple uh, language school lessons for about three months. And it took me about four months to be where I could like converse with my teammates. And, and the second club I signed out, I actually wasn't allowed to speak English. So that was really helpful because uh, it, it made it, it forced me to have to solve problems with teammates and just have yeah. general conversations with, in German. And that was that was really good. Yeah. So kind of talk to us. You've you've coached at one. You've coached in another country. OK, you've coached the youth level there. You've coached some youth level here in the States. You've coached at a professional level here. What are some of the uh, similarities that you find with coaching at all levels versus what are some of the maybe not so obvious differences in the sense of, oh, yeah, they're eight or they're 10 and they're 30, right? Like what are some things that maybe like psychological or how you have to as a coach change and adapt to the level? I know you still do some work with coaching within your club and at multiple levels. Um, so what are some of the similarities? What are some of the differences? No Stress Midwest has partnered with TechBall to become the Midwest host site for TechBall official league play and tournaments. On Thursdays from 8 to 10 p.m. and Sundays from 3 to 5 p.m., No Stress Midwest will be hosting TechBall pickup play at the soccer lot. Swing by and see what all the fun's about. To stay up to date on all information regarding Tech Ball through No Stress Midwest, visit our website at www.nostressmidwest.com slash techball. You'll be able to see all of the upcoming events we have, such as league play, tournaments, and any changes to pick up. Um, from a simulator standpoint, I think the number one thing is that whether it's a, an eight-year-old or an 18-year-old, 28-year-old, 38-year-old, they're all human. And I think if you start with that uh, and really keep that in the forefront, um, no matter what, you recognize like the ball involved or the ball not involved. Like We're talking about a human being and, and that we should be thinking about something much bigger than the game always. Um, so I think that's one of the things, whether it was in, in Germany with 10-year-olds or 17-year-olds that I was coaching um, or here at the professional level, like we're still dealing with human beings and you still should seek to connect with people as human. So I think that that for me has always been the number one um, thing to keep in mind and also the number one similarity of all of the environments that I, I, I've been in. Um, the other thing that I, I tell a lot of coaches, you know, they talk about what level they want to coach at or what level they are coaching at or, or everything in between. Um, and the reality is, uh, you know, that, that kiss principle, keep it simple, stupid, mm -hmm. you know, is like the, the, is one of the most important things, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the, the ongoing debate of, is it tactics? Is it strategy? Is it training methodology? Is it Rondo? Is it not Rondo? What is it? You know, yeah. at the end of the day, like football is a very, very simple game and it's complicated by, by the time that we have to talk yeah. about it yeah. and to, yeah. you know, yeah. use pieces yeah. of paper and all that yeah. stuff. So, 100%. so I think that, 
that for me is, a, and, and, you know, I've seen it coaching at the professional level where you can have a, a lot of really good ideas, but it's the simplicity with which you translate it to the player. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a learning curve for me, right. Having a veteran come over and say like, look, dude, I, I've, you know, I've, co- I've played at a lot of different levels and, uh, I think it would help you if you just simplified it. And that was like, I knew that, you know, but I didn't right. realize that I wasn't doing it. And same thing with the, you know, now you see it, you run camps or you, you know, my, my little five-year-old son is starting to play soccer and everybody's asking me, well, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, look, keep it simple. You know, so it's interesting how much that applies all across the globe. Cause when I, you know, people ask about my time in Germany and they, they say like, oh, was it something training? Was it something this or that? Reality was they created really simple context um, that play that demanded, you know, of the players, but the players had so much fun that, right. you know, that we were working with in the youth. And obviously it's maybe slightly different in the professional level, but nonetheless, you, you know, I saw trainings from FC Nuremberg from, um, uh, from, you know, credit for first Bundesliga, second Bundesliga, third Bundesliga, regional league, like all levels. And, and um, there's complexity for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's also simplicity to it. So I think the, the, you know, the best players make the game look easy. And that's, I think what you're trying to always get across to players is how they can do things simply that are really, really effective. Right. Right. It's like those, uh, the, the basic stuff and, you know, being a personal or a private trainer, you know, there's just fundamentals like the V touches or stuff like that, where I'm like, yeah, it looks really cool when, you know, you see Ronaldo do 20 scissors step overs. I was like, but what's the move that beats him? Right. You know, I was like, really, it's a very simple one. It's just all this other stuff that just makes it look really cool. But at the end of the day, under all the uh, condiments on a burger, it's a freaking meat and it's a patty, right? Like, that's right. That's, that's what right. it is. Um, sorry, man. And I, I've had this, this talk with you before, uh, and I really liked your, your answer to it. So I'm going to bring it up again. Um, so like you're currently the technical director, right, at Oakland Roots. Uh, for those listeners that aren't as familiar with USL um, and the pro level, it's in the USL championship. Um, they have like probably one of the best social media pages. He's not paying me to say this. Um, <laughs> their, their jerseys, they're just like all around gear. It's just like class to me. Um, but okay. So you're a technical director for the club. Uh, I think it was last season. Um, you were an interim head coach or maybe you were the head coach and technical director as well. Um, but once again, like now you're only one. So is there a role or is there a hat that you like wearing more than the other? Do you, you know, enjoy the head coach? And, you know, I think we, we were talking about like when you're down on the field and you score that late game winner and like the 90 plus, you know, two of uh, three minute stoppage, like that stuff gets you going right. Versus like the technical director where you're just kind of overseeing and, your, you know, your heart doesn't beat or pump get as up as, you know, but it doesn't get as down as well. So where's your head at with that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to, to wear a number of hats for Oakland roots, but also in my career, um, where I've seen, you know, coaching at all levels. And, and the one thing that I'll, I'll always say is like, you know, on field coaching is the, for me, that's the, the, 
bread and butter, right? And mm. and I say that because that is the um, how, how do I say it? It's like the basic unit of how you build a style of play, of how you build a culture, of how you build um, a club is within the training environment day after day after day after day. Right. And what you what you see on the field on game day is built in training. And that's something that that whether you know whether I'm technical director, head coach, assistant coach, doesn't matter. Like training is so valuable in my opinion. And it's why we spend, you know, I spend so much time with with coaches, um, with my staff when I'm I'm head coach or or now as technical director with the different coaches, trying to create the type of context and training that will translate to the the game. I mean, at the end of the day, I I got into football because I believe that um, you know, football is such an incredible tool to change the world around us, to yeah. bring happiness to people, both the players and fans, to really bring a sense of community to certain certain places. Like you you know, you 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 mentioned and 100% facts on the gear, the social media, all that stuff. Yeah. But the biggest thing that I love about Oakland Roots and and since day 1 is that they've been trying to um, uh, take what has already existed within Oakland and there's grimy parts of Oakland. Everybody knows that, but there's also this beautiful aspect of Oakland where it champions the the best in humanity and it allows for that to really blossom, um, and amplify. And that's been what our club's been about. So football has just been a tool. So mm -hmm. for me, when, you know, when I come to the field, um, you know, last year as the head coach, it was like, no, no, we got to be, we got to be good. You know, we've right. got to play right. exciting football because that's what a community demands of us, you know? And, right. and it's, it's, I, I cannot say there's any feeling like, um, you know, winning in a dramatic fashion at home in front of your mm -hmm. fans, um, where, you know, the, the energy is just unreal and it's not being, pushed by you it's being given to you by by everybody in the in the stands and you know how much it means to the people that you see walking the streets or driving the streets and whatnot so i think that part of uh you know uh a while ago i said on you know to myself i wrote down on-field coaching drives my economic engine and it's tough you know some people go well why did you choose technical director well technical director allows me to develop those type of on-field coaching environments mm. that it isn't just, and, and I think the role as technical director is about building the overall football side of the club. For sure. And, and, and when you're coaching, yeah, exactly. When you're a head coach, you're focused on winning that game. Yeah. You're focused on yeah. winning these few yeah. games. And you have to accept that at the professional level, you know, you lose a couple games and you might be looking for a job. Yeah. However, at technical director, you know, you, you are trying to, to support the coach so that number one, they're not losing games they're winning games, yeah. but two, you're building this longer term process for the club. And you're thinking about what are the, the principles of the training environment? What are the organizations that the first team, the second team will do so that players are familiar? How do we get young players from this metropolitan area of Oakland, as well as the Bay area and Northern California through these ranks so that people can see on the first team players that they saw in class a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? Like right. those are, those right. are things that, that I think the technical director is really responsible for. Whereas the head coach is responsible for that team as it is right now 
um, and developing a winning team for the the weekend and for the season or a couple seasons, et cetera. So right. it hasn't changed for me in terms of what, what I really uh, enjoy. Um, you know, obviously when you, when you coach a run or timing or something like that on a Thursday and it shows up in the game on Saturday, like, yeah, that feeling that's, is yeah, great. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, yeah. but when you say this is our style of play and you see the team week after week, start to, to, to really, uh, embody that, or this is the personality that we want to have as a club. And you see the team to embody that and you see the younger team embody that and, and look up to the older, start to build that relationship. Um, I think that's equally as as uh, rewarding uh, in the technical director role. Right. Well, and it's you know you're you're overseeing the coach, right? In the sense of like I need to insert the type of coach that I want to run and work in the vision that I have, um, and I feel like that's where you know ideally they're working together on it, right? A technical director should not, hopefully, not hire a coach that they don't thing fits the vision of what they want, or that's just setting the coach up for failure. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we, you know, that's, it's a very tough thing <laughs> for me because, because, um, you know, I know the, the style of play that I would want, you know, our, our, our team to have. And, um, last year was very unique. And, and one of the things that I think about the professional level is people take this idealism from the youth or from certain environments. And they place it in the professional level where, you know, we see Manchester City, as we were talking about, you know, and there's there's not only an infinite amount of resources in terms of finding players that fit the model, but also developing those players within the model um, and, and all of that to be able to play that way. So right. at, at certain levels of professional soccer, you have to understand, like, the players dictate a lot of what you could do. Finding the right players is very important. How you train is very important. But there's also certain limitations uh you know to a player there's a reason why they're at usl championship not at the mls not in league uh not in bundesliga right, right? right, right um right, and so right. that adaptation is is really i think a responsibility of the, the organization to, to make sure that they build their model and their their make their decisions commensurate with the level of the usl championship and, and where we are right no that's good that's good um well you know since I'd say since we've been talking um, over the past, what, year or so, two years, two, two, three years maybe, um, you've definitely given a lot of gems to me as far as advice and and things to do. Like we were talking about the USL2 job going into that. uh, It's probably one of the most recent ones. Um, But a kind of two-part question What is some advice that you wish you would have had, you would have received? when you were first starting off as coaching versus what is some advice you would give a younger coach, maybe one that's looking to maybe pursue coaching in a full time or in a more serious sense, not the, you know, Hey, I'm just doing this to get paid, but more like, Hey, maybe I want to take this to another level. So first part, what's some advice you wish or you wish you would have received? Teachers, we want you. Are you a licensed teacher in the Missouri or Kansas KC metro area looking to make a couple extra dollars tutoring over the weekday and weekends? Well, No Stress Midwest is the place for you. 
No Stress Midwest Education is looking for teachers to help in one-on-one tutoring, small group academic enrichment, and study hall. We are looking for teachers to work on average two to three nights a week, two hours a night, in the subject of language arts, science, math, social studies, and foreign language. If you're interested, please visit nostressmidwest.com slash education and fill out an application today. Cheers. Uh, that's that's a good one. Um, I think, uh, well, there's a lot of aspects to that. Uh, one of the things in terms of career um, that I wish somebody, uh, nobody gave me the advice. I think I, I um, because of circumstance, I ended up really getting it. But everybody, um, you know, with players, we, we know about this kind of uh, uh, line. And it's in and around 15, 16, where you go from ta- like tactical creativity being crucial, how many different creative solutions, novel solutions can you find, right. to tactical intelligence being crucial, right? How can you choose the best one in, in the right moment? Um, and I think it, you know, I used to look at it like I was behind as a coach because I wasn't in this structured environment where I had my team and I had this and I had that. And what I actually realized, and this kind of goes to two, both parts of the question, but nobody told me that all the tactical creativity that I was getting from working in less structured environments Mm -hmm. was uh, going to be beneficial. And what I would say to any young coach is, you know, don't try to put yourself in that professional environment too early um, because the unstructured coaching of, you know, the youth club environment yeah. and, and camps and things like that is actually really beneficial for, for molding your, your toolbox right. as a coach. Um, and I think, again, like that was my circumstance, so it was beneficial, but but I would say that to any other coaches, like coach as much as you can in unstructured environments early because it will make you better in the structured environment later on. Yeah. Um, and I think that that for me has been, you know, a similar path as a, as a, uh, uh, as a, as a player to coaches, you know, it's like, um, I don't know how many professional coaches have ever had to organize their team nine versus 11 because they got two red cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in, you know, uh, a tournament game, things happen, (laughs) you know, and like all of a sudden you've got to have this solution. Now, what it did for me was it gave me two or three different ways that I can, you know, fix that problem in a professional match. But that type of creativity from a coaching standpoint uh, is, is now inherent in my philosophy, whereas you know, other people might, might, not, might, yeah. not, might not ever encounter that problem. And they view it as like, oh, this shouldn't be happening. Well, it's like, okay, it well, does. it but is happening. Yeah, but, right, but here I am in a exactly. game and there it is. You know, and, and so I think you just look at, you look at the coaching problems or the problems of coaching in a, a more structured environment very differently if you come from an unstructured environment. But if you spend too long in an unstructured environment, just like a player, right, you start to pick up habits yeah. of coping that might not be beneficial for that, that, that higher level environment. Yeah. Well, and, and I had to coach a nine V 11, but it wasn't for two red cards is because I was coaching a U 17 boys in the spring season when school was getting ready to graduate and it was prom weekend. (laughs) 
and I didn't have any other players, right? And exactly. having to like say, okay, hey, for 80 minutes, we're about to park this bus and we're not moving until everyone's until everyone's ready to move, right? Um, and yeah, it's those situations where you're like, hey, this is how it is. Or training only has 13 people, right? Because they just didn't show up, you know? So I have one, yeah. kid, one kid cancel on a, a game because he had bruises from band practice. And I'm like, dude, what does that, e- <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But those problems are, you know, like uh, something happens at a professional level and people are like, well, I don't know how to solve this because I've always had, you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, well, you or myself, we're like, okay, well, this is a way to solve this or I can come up with a couple solutions like that. Like, right. like not I need an hour to figure right. this out, it's, but like let's the solve this problem. Dome. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Um, let's see. How have you grown as a coach from your earlier years to now, right? Or even if you want to go to um, last season, right, when you were last coaching, um, what are some things that, let's say, are here now that took time to, to get? And what are some things that are gone now that were really prevalent when you first started? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, some of the things that I know, I know are here now, like my level of, of, um, uh, meticulous detail in terms of my approach to a training session, you know, I used to plan training, uh, and this is maybe not a good thing, but have you heard the big news? No stress. Midwest has found a new home at the soccer lot located downtown Kansas city. Swing by and check out our new training facility as well as our classroom we'll be hosting our tutoring sessions. Be sure to also check out our player lounge, which includes a TV, FIFA, ping pong, and a tech ball table for all of the needs of our trainees. I used to plan training, sometimes driving to training when I was coaching, you know, three different teams and and all that kind of stuff. Same. And, And now, you know, I've been fortunate enough that I'm now in a situation or I was in a situation last year where I was able to focus on one team. So I, you know, I'd spend three, four hours mm-hmm. planning one single training session mm-hmm. that was 45 minutes. Yeah. Right. Because that's the only time that I had. And yeah. I know I needed yeah. to have yeah. these specific things or, um, you know, people always laugh, but you know, you watch five or six games of an opponent and people are like, well, that's, that's too much, but nobody can trick me in a game because you know, you might have only used this formation for the last four games, but eight games ago, I you used a you different used shape right. and you used this to solve this. And so I'm right. prepared for it. And so I think that level of, of uh, you know, meticulousness and a bit of it is your anxiety as a coach. You know, people don't talk about that, that anxiety um, uh, that exists as you move up levels. Um, so to, to calm that, you know, when it comes to game day, um, you, the preparation is the the way, right. And so right, I think that, right. um, you know, one of the things that was existed in my early coaching days, you know, I, I always pushed myself, like, that's just the nature of it. It wasn't the fear of getting fired. It wasn't the fear of, uh, you know, my athletic director coming to me and saying, you're not playing good enough football like that, that didn't happen. Um, and I was a lot more carefree, um, you know, when it came to, uh, coaching. And I was a lot more of my, I was very much more, 
um, a prophet for what I believed good football was at the beginning of my coaching career. Okay. And now I, I have a, a much better sense of, uh, you know, good football from any coach or club is them taking, you know, what they have and, and, and maximizing it. Right. So, you know, I, I, people used to say that bad football to have a team sit in bunker in and hit you on the counterattack. But I'll tell you what, you know, watching my, my favorite club, Barcelona have 81% possession and losing, I wouldn't say that's good football. You know what I mean? Right. But, right. Cause but, what's the, pur- it's, it's all like, what's the purpose. Right. And, and it takes, and, you know, it takes good, good, good planning and execution to sit in and have 19% possession and, and win a game, you mm-hmm. know, it's, that's not necessarily luck. Now over the course of time, you know, the better teams have the lion's share of possession. Okay. But I still give a lot of credit. Whereas before I used to maybe, you know, kind of try to look down my nose at, at coaches who took that approach. And, like um, an athletic, yeah. Atletico Madrid, right. And Diego Simeone, you know, people, uh, freaking talk bad because it doesn't look like Barcelona and Real Madrid. And I'm like, Hey, this man's in the top three, if not winning it like every season. So say whatever it is that you want, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like. But to me, like good football is winning games, you know? And like, yeah, you can have the tiki taka, which is what we've become used to as dominant possession and, you know, I think you talked about in one of our calls, the ABAC, right? The passing mm-hmm. patterns. Um, and yeah, that does look great. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, they say a one zero one zero win is the easiest result. You know, like. Well, and, and people think that it, that it lacks intelligence to right. sit deep and, and break on the counter. I, I argue complete opposite. Like that is mm-hmm. so difficult mm-hmm. to not have the ball, keep your position one step out of position can cost you the game and and to, to be focused. And so I think, yeah. And that was a thing that changed for me is to, to see that approach Mm -hmm. as meticulous and detailed and intelligent, not as just taking the easy route out. Cause I, I don't believe it's the easy route. And I think it's whether it's cultural and, and I say cultural, not necessarily country to country, but just, you know, within, within North, within Northern California, you'll yeah. find some clubs that are okay with that approach. Some clubs that are okay with another approach to each their own. And I think if they do it to the best of their abilities, my hat's off to them. Right. No, it's uh, I mean, there's, there's so many ways to play the game. There's so many ways to coach it. Right. And, and I think you see that as if anyone that watches the game and you watch in each league versus euros, right. Versus, the champions league, you know, like there's just so many different styles because coaches all have a vision. Um, now granted the rules of the game don't change. You just want to put the ball in the net more time than the other team. That's the universal, <laughs> but how we decide to do that, I think is so fascinating because we all have different ways of wanting to do that. Um, and getting people to want to do it. So makes it pretty cool. Absolutely. That's the game. Um, well, Jordan, man, we're getting ready to, to wrap up. Um, as I started, you know, I said to some of the guests in, in earlier episodes, the Zoom is really, uh, they're really locking down on, on these calls. Um, but as we're winding down, is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with? Um, whether it's, you know, maybe any final advice, um, you know, maybe you're, you want to talk about the, the run that Oakland Roots is about to go on to end the championship season. 
uh, whatever it is, anything you want to leave us with? No. Nah. <clears throat> um, well, yes, we are about to go on a run. Um, <laughs> somehow, somehow the soccer gods just keep allowing results to go our way and we, we keep a foot in the door. So um, go. you're going to watch the magic, the magic of Oakland happen in real time here in 2022. But I think the one thing, you know, and this has been something that, that, um, uh, again, as I've, as I've progressed in my, my career, um, it, it's only become more apparent to me, um, is that the, the best of the best, the best minds, the, the most effective, the, the people who have longevity, um, at higher levels and at, and at lower levels, like number one, they really enjoy it. I think that's, there's sometimes when people can make football about a whole bunch of other things and it, and it isn't, it isn't necessarily fun. And when it's your job, you know, it's, it's, there's even, uh, sometimes more difficulty in finding that, that joy, but number one, always, you know, go to work and, 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 you know, whether you're working in administration in football or you're working in coaching, just, just make sure that you're, you're, you're enjoying it and finding the joy in it. Um, and then lifelong learning, man. And I think that's that, you know, as, as you and I've chatted more and more, like I learned so much from our conversations. Um, and I learned so much from watching other people's sessions. I learned so much from, you know, listening to other talks or podcasts and things like that. And, and always trying to find little bits and pieces that you can add. I think that is, uh, um, you know, that's, it's a, it's an endless process. You know, you see people like, um, Sir Alex or Carlo Ancelotti, I mean, brilliant, right? Like going from, uh, you know, a lot of different levels, different clubs, different cultures, all of this, and being at the stage that he's at and being open, but also understanding where his blind spots are and recognizing yeah. that he needs to put people in those positions to support him and he needs to learn this and have this. And I think that that is, um, you know, like I said, it's, a, it's an approach that will pay off no matter what. Um, but that, that lifelong learning is something that, that I think, uh, anybody, whether they're starting out or they're 20, 30 years in, um, can really, can really benefit from, um, and it makes the, it makes the soccer world. It makes the world a better place when people have that growth mindset. For sure. Yeah. Now the growth mindset's big. Um, and that's, I mean, if you have a closed mind, you're not going to be able to adapt and keep up with this game. Uh, you'd still be playing sweeper stoppers, huh? And uh, yeah. <laughs> back in the dark days. Uh, well, Jordan, man, I want to thank you uh, for your time being a guest. Uh, I still owe you a visit out there. I know this year I was supposed to, couldn't make it happen, but I, uh, I do want to get out there soon. So hopefully 2023 uh, season, I'll be able to, to make my way there. Um, but yeah, thank you for being a guest. Uh, This wraps up another episode of Season 5, the No Stress Midwest Podcast. Uh, Everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Okay, thanks, Brian.